I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Knicks beat the Celtics in double overtime at the Boston Garden without Jalen Brunson. Nine wins in a row. And I had planned to talk about the New York Knicks and Jalen Brunson and the win streak with Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post. And that was before they went ahead and won in double overtime. Mike Vaccaro joins me now. Hey, Mike, how are you? You're very prescient, Laurie. So it's, uh, <laughs> no, it's great talking to you tonight. Um, so... I want to get to this game. I want to get to a whole bunch of stuff, but I wanted to step back. One of the things I I love about reading your columns is that I think you have a, you always have a good pulse of, I think, the New York market and fan base. And you wrote a column, it's from a few years ago, but I remember you writing it um, about the Knicks and the role the Knicks play in our town um, and how, you know, they are sort of this unifying kind of team. Can you talk about that and explain that? Um, I think I'm remembering it correctly. Um, Can you talk about that? The Knicks, when the Knicks are good and what it means to our city. Well, it's, it's, it's it's second to none on so many levels, Lori, because, you know, look, I mean, they're the one team that plays in Manhattan. So, I mean, they're, 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 I should say, one of the two teams that play in Manhattan. I don't mean to take away from the Rangers, but I mean, they're the basketball team that plays in Manhattan. Uh, that, and that does matter. They play at the Garden. That matters. Um, and the thing that I, you know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes I talk to younger writers or younger fans, and they look at me like I have three heads when I tell them, you know, look, as big a baseball town as New York is now, it was a, just as big a baseball town, if not more, in the 90s and in the, in the aughts. And the fact is that in the 90s, even as the Yankees were starting to win championships, um, you know, baseball season in New York didn't start until the day after the Knicks were eliminated from the playoffs. Until then, it was the Knicks that was on in the front of everybody's mind, at the tip of everybody's tongue. That's how much it mattered. I mean, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not old enough to remember the great teams of the 70s, but I do remember the great teams of the 90s because I was there and I was covering them, and it was just a, a remarkable scene inside Madison Square Garden every night for 10 years. And that's what they mean. I mean, look, I mean, uh, all due respect to the Nets, there are, far, there are far more Knicks fans by percentage, I think. I mean, and I'm speaking unscientifically, I'm just, uh, I'm not, but, but I really believe this, that there are Nets fans, then there isn't any other disparity in town, you know, because, I mean, yes, the Yankees are the dominant team, but there's a whole lot of Mets fans. I mean, the Giants are the dominant team, there's a whole lot of Jets fans. Rangers are the dominant team, and between the Islanders and the Devils, 
you know, I don't know if it's 50-50, but I mean, there's certainly, a, a, you know, a great representation. I, mean, I get it, there are Nets fans, but the Knicks are predominantly, are the predominant team in the NBA. And so when they're good, you know, and, and especially when you're talking about when they play, I mean, you're talking about January, February, March, lonely times for a sports fan. You know, when they're bad, those, those months seem to last forever. And when they're good, I mean, it's just, it, 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 it's second to none. It really is. All right. The other thing, um, so that's a column that you had written that always stuck with me from a few years ago. You wrote a, a recent column this week that I was all prepared to talk about, and we will get to it. <laughs> and your column and your premise was um, that you want to write about other stories about these Knicks, but how can you not write about Jalen Brunson? That he, and he has been transformational, and we'll talk about that. But is it finally safe to say that after tonight's double overtime win, you actually can write another Nick story and not start with Jalen Brunson? I um, mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and, <laughs> and honestly, you know, it was, it was kind of the way on Friday, right? Julius stepped up and, and had just the monster game and made that ridiculous three at the buzzer. So that was, you know, that was Julius's game. And obviously, with, when, when Jalen was not playing today, you know, they needed quickly to step up, and he stepped up, you know, with just a career performance. But they also got great efforts from from Julius and from RJ and Mitch Robinson was terrific. I mean, he was finally able to get to the corner to contest uh, yeah. Al Horford on that last, on that, that last shot after Horford had burned him a bunch of times because he was so sloughing off in the middle. Uh, so yeah, there, 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 there were a cast of thousands to write about today. I mean, obviously quickly is going to get most of the attention, but you know, I also think that that just, that, that, that just shows you where this team has gotten so quickly that, or so rapidly, I should say, <laughs> because because you know, without Brunson, who is such an important part of who they are and what they do, I mean, they're you know you know what impressed me is they went down 14 points in the third quarter, and that's a I mean, it's a perfect time for an NBA team to say, all right, look, we had a early game winning streak, we got got to go to the West Coast next week. All right, let's just let's just cool our jets and we'll we'll take the we'll take the loss and move on. And what did they do? They outscored the Celtics by 25 points over the next 12 minutes, you know? And, yes, they gave, kind of gave the game away at the end of regulation. They mm-hmm. kind of stole the game back at the end of the first overtime. <laughs> and they, they prevailed. I mean, yes, there's plenty right about to, to, to talk about today other than Jalen Brunson. But uh, I, I think that's the point is that I think the fact that, uh, that, that Brunson has helped get the Knicks to this point, and, and tonight they were able to say, well, you know, we, we got you on this one, which was a great thing to watch. And – if we think about Knicks Celtics, um, which for a lot of years now recently has not been a rivalry because the Knicks haven't really carried their end of things, but um, it, it's feeling like certainly at least these last couple of games that Jason Tatum and the Celtics, I don't know, you know, if, if it came to it in a playoff series or whatever, if they were really being honest, they wouldn't really, they kind of want no part of the New York Knicks. The Knicks are a pain in the ass. Look, I mean, I don't think there's any question. I mean, you know, for you know, forget the, the Celtics players. It was kind of, you know, if you're a New York sports fan, there's nothing. There's nothing that makes you feel better than watching a bunch of Boston fans stalk out of an arena, angry and upset. <laughs> and man, they look, they look, they look especially upset tonight. You know, because, um, and, and but but but, but you know, you're right. I mean, the Celtics these last two games. I mean, Tatum got himself thrown out of the game last week, so he was frustrated there. And you know, look, I mean. They should have won this game tonight, not just because Brunson was out, because they had, you know, they, they, they kind of had the game by the teeth in the overtime, and they would had all the momentum in the world, and they somehow let that get away. And look, the Knicks have beaten them three out of four times now. Mm-hmm. You know, they've beaten them three straight in the last six weeks. 
you know, twice in overtime thrillers in their own building, and the Knicks blew them out last week at home. So, I mean, how else can they look but say, gosh, I hope they don't have to face these guys, you know? And, you know, it's, uh, right now it's looking like they, you know, it's going to be them or the Bucks, one, two in the, uh, yep. in the East. And, you know, if the Knicks can survive the four or five series, they're probably heading four against the Cavaliers. And guess what? Now, it's funny, if you're a Knicks fan, and, and, and of course, if you're a Knicks fan, you're smart enough to not look ahead of the Cavs. We really look ahead of the last, you know, 15 games of the season. But right. the fact is that, look, I mean, how can you not? You know, I mean, and, and, and it's, 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 the bottom line, Laurie, is it's just really exciting to be around the Knicks again. And it's got to be just incredibly exciting to be a Knicks fan again. I mean, you know, I, I know that, that these Knicks fans have lain dormant for so many years and were just waiting for a reason to embrace a team. And not only is this team winning, but it's clear they're just they're just a lot of fun to watch, and I can just tell how much fun Knicks fans have watching them play because of that. Yeah, they seem to be. I've had a I've had a few um, callers on tonight saying to me that they play team basketball, and I think part of that is also um, just an appreciation for watching how hard this team competes and how unselfish they are. And so let's turn to. Um, Jalen Brunson and you know the Knicks sign him to the free agent contract um, in the offseason some people saying oh the Knicks overpaid all of this but try and explain you know from your point of view what has Jalen Brunson meant to meant to this franchise so we have three segments to talk about this right Laura because that's what, <laughs> that's what we're going to need um, look, here's the thing about it, you know, and, and look, I, I, I thought, you know, I was writing this time last year. I hope the Knicks, if they're thinking their offseason plans include Brunson if the Mavs don't sign him. And then he had that monster playoffs. And so it was obvious that he really was worthy. They signed him to what is starting to look like an incredibly team friendly deal. And you just believe that he was just going to, what he was going to do is professionalize the Knicks. I mean, you had a feeling that at the very least, they were going to look orderly again, and, and things were going to run properly because they had a point guard, and Julius wasn't going to have to worry about being with a point guard and a scorer and, a, you know, and, and, and everything else. But what we've gotten is just this extraordinary player who's coming into his own and, 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 and just achieves greatness on a nightly basis. I mean, it's remarkable. I mean, the Knicks knew they were getting a good player. They had no idea they were getting this player. I mean, no one did because – uh, look, I mean, and he was a really good college player, a really a winning college player. And you know, like I said last year at the Mavericks, he had you know, it was clear he's still a winning player. But it was just, I don't think anybody could fathom just how good he was going to be. And it's it, it, it's been amazing night after night to watch him. And he does a different thing every night. And I thought what was most impressive was you know the game the other night when he was he, he, I think it was 15 for 18 from the floor. He had 30 points in the first half and took five shots in the second half. I mean. That tells you know, that, that tells you all you need to know about what kind of a player he is. He does what's necessary, and you can score. He'll score. And if like the Nets of the other day, they kind of you know focus on him and try and find somebody else to beat him. He'll find those other players to help them win. I mean, it's just and if, if, if you like basketball and you like this kind of basketball, he's exactly what you want. And the Knicks, the Knicks fans have been yearning for a great point guard play, you know, with rare exceptions since since Clyde. You know, I mean, you know, they, I, I think they got a little bit with Mark Jackson at the beginning of his career. Got a little bit with Doc Rivers and with Derek Harper, but man, it's been it, 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 it's been so long. They got the tail end of Jason Kidd's career. He wasn't really the same player, but you know, New York prides itself as a city of point guards, and, and they've adopted this kid's you know immediately, and with good reason because he's that good. Talking to Mike Vaccaro, 
about the Knicks and I, you know, you mentioned that Jalen Brunson, you know, you were hoping that he would make the Knicks more professional, more orderly. For years, the Knicks were more of a joke or depressing and kind of sad. And when star players would change teams, they would not even consider the Knicks or give the Knicks an interview. And Knicks fans, you know, there we were, you know, kind of like Lucy and Charlie Brown, you know, with, with the ball, and we'd fall for it every time. Maybe LeBron will come here, and then LeBron wouldn't even give the Knicks, you know, an interview. Um, because the Knicks, the culture um, and the vibe around the team were just not something that star players wanted to be a part of. And even if the Nets ended badly with Durant and Kyrie and all of that. Fact is, Knicks fans wanted those players. They were not interested in the Knicks. And so here's what I wonder with Jalen Brunson. I'm not sure how long it takes for the narrative to change, but do you think that it's changing in a way? um, How long does it take to change the narrative in the NBA so we get to a point that the next time a star wants either a trade out of his contract or a free agency or something like that, sometime in the next couple of years, whenever that is, that the Knicks become a destination. It's a great point, Roy. And, I mean, I think ultimately what as good as Brunson is as a player, uh, what might wind up being his permanent legacy with the Knicks is that he's the guy who came here and changed the narrative to the point where, like you said, now it's not a, a, a player wondering if maybe you're, you're risking your career by going to, to, to the Knicks. You know, now you're coming to a place that's actually attractive to play, playing with a guy who's going to get you the ball, playing with a guy who clearly makes his teammates better. I mean, that was the case last year in Dallas and, and this year at the Knicks. And, and look, it's not a secret. You know, I think that, you know, there were some thoughts that the, you know, the Brunson got overlooked by the All-Star game. You know, it was, it was kind of like he was just kind of, people just were kind of forgetting about him. But I think what's happened is that snub has 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 caused the conversation to double around him. And I do think, like, I mean, NBA players know. I mean, they, you know, they they know better than anybody. They talk to each other. They know who they want to play with, where they want to play. And I really believe that, uh, that, that 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 Brunson has already made this into a place that people are going to want to see the destination now. Does that mean that they're going to get a big-time player this year? I mean, you know, just logic tells you you look at who's going to be available. But at some point, the next big player is going to be available and is going to try, or is going to try and force his way out of Team X, and they're going to want to figure out a place to play. And with Brunson here and the way the Knicks are rolling and the way the city is taken to him, it's suddenly a very attractive place to play. Yeah, and look, I'm not comparing um, based on ability uh, a Jalen Brunson to a Steph Curry. Steph Curry obviously will go down in history as one of the great players of all time. But one of the things that I thought that I think has marked Steph Curry's time with the Warriors, and you've heard about this uh, from his teammates, from people in the organization, is that he 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 brings a joy to the basketball court, to practice, to the, you know, to the locker room around that team for years brought a, a joy to that team. And it seems to me that Jalen Brunson, even on a night tonight when he didn't play and watching, you know, silly nicknames that he's giving on Twitter for Emmanuel quickly and calling, um, <laughs> you know, n- nicknaming, uh, um, you know, when, uh, when, um, 
Julius Randle the other night saluted at the end of the game, and so he's nicknaming him the sergeant. And right. there's just something to that, yes, they're playing incredibly hard and playing, you know, playing good defense, playing with max effort. It's all of that. But there's a lightness and a joy about this team that even two years ago, as fun as it was to watch them, everything was so hard for Julius Randle. He had to work so hard, and it just feels like that Jalen Brunson is bringing um, a lightness, some joy to this team. There is, you know, the difference I think too is, you know, two years ago, let's put that in context. I mean, the Knicks had been so off for so long that any kind of success was going to be was was going to be embraced, and it was. And you know, Julius was so fundamentally responsible for all of it. You you remember just how how shaky the Knicks point guard play was, and then they got Derek Rose, it solidified a little bit, but then they out, then basically they ran Rose into the ground, and so it was all Julius all the time. Then. you know, we're still just kind of emerging as a city from, from from the pandemic mess. So it was, it was just a very different kind of feeling in the garden about that team. And you know, I, I I just you know my recollection is there wasn't a lot of optimism even going into that first round playoff series because I think everybody realized just how you know uh, just how shaky the ground was that that season was built on despite the great record. It's different this time around. And look, I, and and look, I mean, as much credit as I give to Brunson for all this, I mean, look, I mean, the fact is the Knicks are now nine of those since they got Josh Hart. And, uh, you know, I wrote a column a couple of weeks ago where I, you know, where I, you know, I, I mentioned another guy by the name of David Busher, who the first time that the Knicks got him the year before they won their first championship. They won their first eight games of him in like something like 14 of their first 15. And look, and, and I also made a point in the disclaimer. I'm not saying Josh Hart is David Busher. David Busher is one of the top 75 players who ever played the game. But uh, as an agent of change, which is the same, which is what they got the Busher to be, the same thing can be said for for for, for what Hart's brought them because it's just another winning player uh, who, who who buys into the way things are supposed to be done, both Thibodeau's way and just the, the way the other players have developed their culture this year, and that's what makes it so much fun. I mean, you know, you've seen how Knicks fans have taken a Josh Hart immediately in the same way that they that they took to Brunson, and the same way they you know they, they they've kind of fallen back in love with Julius, and they've always been you know very kind to to, to RJ. I mean, it's a team. So with players that they like, that the fans like, and they play in a way that the fans really find appealing. And, oh, by the way, they've also started to get on a, on a serious role. So, you know, and it's not a bunch of panties that, 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 these, that the Knicks are winning. are winning. They've won 12 out of 14, and they've won twice against the Celtics, and twice against the Heat, and twice against the Nets. And it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a formidable team. I mean, it's a legitimately formidable team. Yeah, you mentioned with Julius, um, obviously last season so difficult, but you're always good from a big picture, somewhat historical um, you know, perspective. But how often have you seen a player go from fans love him to you know, kind of being celebrated, to criticized, to being celebrated again? It seems atypical that once, especially in New York, once somebody's in that doghouse with the fans that they don't, it's hard to get out of. You know what, Laurie? And, and I get things right so infrequently that I that, that, that <laughs> I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself when I get one right. And I, I mean, I actually looked this column up a few days ago. I wrote this in around August uh, when Lindor had officially kind of emerged from yep. you know the darkness of last year with the Mets fans. Now the difference, you know, Francisco came and had a, immediately had a terrible year and had to and had to kind of like win the fans the first mm-hmm. time. So that makes it a little bit different. But I guess my, my my point back in August was that maybe like on an off day, you know, 
the Knicks could, could fly Julius up here and have a, have lunch with 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 Lindor and say mm-hmm. it's possible to turn to turn this from the, the town completely against you to being where they want to elect you mayor. And of course, the thing they had in common is that Lindor had the thumbs down last year, and Julius emanated it. Now that was Javi Baez's idea, but both but both Lindor and Randall kind of you know became kind of the the uh, the, the, the the provocateurs of using that you know also and. And look, in the same way that Lindor won City Field over the summer, that's the same thing that's happened to Julius. Now, I didn't necessarily predict that would happen, but I, but I, but I, but I said that that Lindor doing it shows that it's possible to change people's minds, you know. And you're right. And and the reason why I wrote that is because it is such a a rare thing. Once it goes sideways for you in New York, it so rarely goes back in the other direction. And those are two players that prove that you know maybe New York isn't such this this dramatic like place where the, the moment you start to slip. It's over for you. I mean, maybe that's a good thing for people to see. And once again, goes toward what you were saying before. You know, to, to you know, the attractiveness of laying, of, 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 of bringing in a, a, a you know a, a franchise player who is now not afraid to to you know of all the other ancillary things that New York can be. Yeah, the and I think um, you know some of it is it's all it is also a very likable. Uh, group of guys, uh, you know, a, a likable group of men, um, you know, from the off the court stuff. You know, sometimes we hear about stuff. There's you know, obviously stuff going on. I've been asked about it tonight, um, you know, in uh, with other players in the league. Sure. Um, but, it, you know, these guys also are seem to be just uniformly good people, um, which also makes it a pleasure, makes it an easy team to root for. Yeah, they are, and you know, look, I mean, they are off the floor also, but because I mean, there's two things that stuck with me that, that immediately come to my mind when you say that. One is the video that went viral of Brunson's reaction the moment <laughs> he found out that but, Josh Hart was going right. to join the team. I mean, that was you know that that, that was like a 12 year old little league player finding out he's going to play with his best friend that season. Right. It was incredible, and people just immediately took to that. But I mean, even tonight. You know, look at the tape of the last shot, right? Mm-hmm. I think everybody's holding their breath, thinking that, of course, Horford's made six shots in three already. He's going to make this one, and they're going to lose the game. But it bounces short, and the buzzer sounds, and Josh Hart gets the rebound, and most guys celebrate like they just won the high school state championship. <laughs> and, you know, and look, we understand this pro basketball. And there's, there's you know five more games this week, so you can't get too crazy about one game. But sometimes, you know, as a fan, you like to see that the players are as excited about winning a game as you are. Because you know that all across New York and New Jersey and Westchester, Connecticut, people watching that game were jumping up and down, yep. you know, in their living rooms, in the saloon, wherever they were watching the game, listening to the game. And, you know, it's great for them to see the players were every bit as excited as they are. You know, sometimes that's the real disconnect in pro sports is that sometimes fans do wonder, did the, did the players care as much as we do? And... You know, it's wonderful to see the see that example like we did tonight with the Knicks. All right, last one before I let you go, and uh, we'll let the uh, the fans and the callers and open up the phone lines and and let them uh, come back and weigh in um, on this big win. But um, you also, in one of your columns, mentioned in, in a player you brought up his name a moment ago. Derek Rose is interesting. You know, when we talk about the culture and what's going on about this Knicks team and how different this is. And how special this is. I'm reminded even, um, you also mentioned a moment ago, Jason Kidd. And certainly Kidd was playing for um, that Knicks team with uh, with Carmelo. But I remember that team having, um, it was Jason Kidd, it was Pablo Prigioni and, uh, yep. Rashid, and Rashid Wallace. And I... Um, 
I, I would th- you know, at the time, I remember thinking of them as, as, as the sages, the three wise men, <laughs> and, uh, which is a little funny to say about a Rashid Wallace, but at that point in his career, <laughs> no, but that, the three of them were just these veterans that were so, you know, had forgotten more, more about basketball than a lot of the young players had, had, had learned yet. And it made a difference on that team. There was, yes, some on-the-court play, but like a guy like Sheed, it was about like the the mentoring and what was going on. And I see with a Derrick Rose, you know, we've all seen the the conversations, the rumors, the you know, and seen the interviews and the discussions. The Suns wanting him, you know, that he could have been available at the trade deadline. He did not ask for a trade. He didn't seem to want to leave Tom Thibodeau and this young Knicks team, even though he has been, you know, since they moved to the nine-man rotation, he's out of the rotation. He rarely plays. And when he does, it's... seems crazy to me i think you called him a mascot in your column is you know we're used to the fans chant for that awkward guy who is a late round draft pick or two-way contract who's never going to play is a never has been um guy and that guy gets a minute of playing time and garbage time as a charity case we're not used to seeing a former league mvp um you know, with the fans chanting, and yet he doesn't want to leave this team. It, it just seems like um, that to me is just remarkable. Yeah, he's like the most accomplished walk-on in history. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and here's the thing: you're talking about that team, Lori, and that, that's a great point. Don't forget, Kurt Thomas was on that team too mm-hmm. for the first that's second. That's right. Second guard with the Knicks, and, and, and specific to Thomas. Now, he had a game in Utah that I was actually covering in Salt Lake City where he had an extraordinary game, and, and it was a game the Knicks really needed to win at that point. That was their last really good year. And he hurt himself, and he played on, and it wound up being the last game he ever played. And yet he was around the team the rest of the year, even though he couldn't play. And it was like that that leadership, both by playing hurt in that game, that they just desperately needed him to play, and then his presence the rest of the year, it really, it really was uplifting for that team. And you get the sense that that's exactly what it's like with Derek. You know, you know that Derek and, and, and Brunson are very close. Uh, and, and the fact is that, you know, it, to, to me, that speaks volumes to what the Knicks have, that you know, Derek isn't playing a win. He's a, I mean, he didn't play the other night against the Nets, you know, in a 30-point blowout. He's, you know, he, he didn't get, a, he didn't get out, of, out of his warm-ups. I mean, so he doesn't even play a lot of times in garbage time. I mean, it doesn't seem to bother him. He doesn't seem to mind. He likes being here, it seems like. And it was clear, it's clear the players didn't want him to get rid of Derek because, because they feel he's such a, you know, it's, it's almost like they play, like, like they view him kind of as a basketball Dalai Lama almost, you know, because he just has, you know, a, he's, he's an accomplished and very impressive guy. And, you know, I, I do think that speaks volumes too. And look, I mean, as close as, as Derek and Thibodeau are, obviously this guy has to be cool with Derek or else there would be an issue here. So that, that, that that's, you're, you're right. You've identified, I think, a real, you know, example of why this team is is what it is because of whatever, you know, unspoken thing that allows chemistry to form and to, you know, be productive. So, how far, um, you know, for Knicks fans who want to dream and their minds are already racing ahead, is that okay to start having ridiculous, absurd, um, you know, expectations um, and? I don't know, get carried away with this team? Why not? I mean, at this point, why not? You know, for 
the first, I guess, 50 games of the year, I, 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 I was convinced that no matter how high above 500, below 500, this was a 41 and 41 team. Because I was just, it, was, it just looked like a breaking team. You can't say that anymore. This is clearly a team that's that, that, that's found itself. You know, you want to give all the credit to Josh Hart. You want to give the credit to just players kind of figuring each other out, whatever. But they are a good team now. Now, you know, if logically, are they in the same kind of class as the Sixers, the Bucks, or the Celtics? No, they're not. But you know, they just beat the Celtics three out of their four games this year. You know, <laughs> they, 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 they've won twice against the Sixers. I mean, they haven't done well against the Bucks. That was probably a really bad matchup. Yeah, that's a bad matchup. In the playoffs. Yeah. But so, so, I mean, you, there's only so much you can dream because at the end of the rainbow, no matter what you're looking at, at some point you're probably going to beat the Bucks. Yep. But you know what? At this point, if you can get into a series against the Cavs, and even, I mean, I'll say even if it's a, it's a hard four seven game series and you lose, you know, by four points in Game Seven in Cleveland. That's still a pretty good year, and there's no reason why they wouldn't have a puncher's chance against the Cavs. So, I mean, if, if the NBA, if you believe the NBA, you know, takes things successes and steps, that would be step one. And unlike the last time there was some success, that one great year they had with Melo, you know, it was almost like immediately after that season, it was a totally different team. You know, Bargani came in, and it was just, it was completely different. You know, this is something you can build on, and you can you can kind of look about what you know what are going to be this year. And of course, there's always the possibility lurking that something will happen between you know, you know, who knew at this time last year that there was going to be about five different iterations of Kevin Durant wanting out of Brooklyn, right? So I mean, you just never know. You know, in the NBA, guys get you know get restless; they have things they want to do, and a lot of that happens starts to happen in the summertime. So you can you know. Maybe that happens, but but to, to answer your original question, why not dream? This is the fun part of being a fan, Laurie. You know, there's when you look about being a fan, it's just so absurd because you put in so many bad nights, right? And it's like being a talk show host tonight, right? What's better than than, than, than you having your job right now on a night when the Knicks have had this wonderful win? You're gonna have just nothing but happy Knicks fans wanting to call and talk about the team. I mean, that's great, right? And and and, and as a fan. That's what you want for. All you want is for hope. I mean, in some ways, a team like this is more enjoyable than I, I bet Knicks fans right now are having a lot more fun than Mets fans did last October. When all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, we have to win or it's a terrible season. You know, or, or Yankees fans every year because that's what the team mission is. And, and, and so and this is the fun time, you know. So I, I would hope the Knicks fans have high ambitions and, you know, dream it a little bit. Why not? Because there's been nothing to dream about there for 25 years almost. And it's just a wonderful change of pace. Yeah, it's a fun team to root for, and to your point, the the team that arrives a, a year ahead of schedule or the team yeah. that has that, you know, it's like found money or a found round of golf, um, you know, when you, when you weren't expecting something and you get it, those are, even if it's not a championship season, obviously when you win a title, you remember those, but for pure joy, the team that, especially when there's young players, that found season um, or team that arrives a year ahead of schedule. Are well, think about the Giants, Laurie. I mean, yeah. you know, so, so, like, the, the Giants had the season last year, and they won a playoff game, and you couldn't find a Giants fan who didn't believe, absolutely believe in their heart of hearts that they were going to have a, a, a real chance to take out the, the Eagles, you know. <laughs> And of course, you know, it only took five minutes before you realize, oh, right, right, right. That's that team and that's this team. But you know what? For those six days between yep. when they beat the Vikings and those they were fun the Eagles, days. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you, you couldn't find happier people on earth than Giants fans. Uh-huh. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the fact that they didn't beat the Eagles and they got, they got stomped, who cares? That still made it a great and worthwhile season. It was a reminder why we put all this time into caring so much about these games. I mean, I'm, uh, if you're a Knicks fan, 
have a blast and start dreaming. Why not? That's what that's what this is here. That's what sports is for. All right. That's that's certainly the last word then um, on on that. <laughs> and, and with that, um, Mike Vaccaro from the New York Post does an outstanding job with the pulse on the city. And uh, by the way, is there a column uh, posting soon on on this Knicks game? There should be, even though I wasn't in Boston, you know, I just, I, 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 I called around and I said, yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind writing up this game. And they say, go right ahead. So, you know, I have to ask me twice. And, you know, of course, when, when they were down 14, I was like, oh boy, we care for what you asked for. But so, yeah, so it wound up being a, a pretty fun work night as it turned out. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, it should be posting soon. Thanks, Mark. All right. We'll look forward to that. <laughs> Mike Vaccaro of The Post will catch up with you soon. Thanks so much. Sounds great. Great talking as always, Lloyd. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.